Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Fixed Income Conversation Corner podcast series here on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining us today in studio, glad to have back with me to my right, a Leslie Falconio, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Uh, joining us across the table today from Double Line Capital is Global Head of Developed Credit, Robert Cohen. So Robert, great to be with you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Leslie, thank you for stopping by as well. I'll pass it over to you to lead today's conversation. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. And thank you, Robert, for coming in. I mean, the timing could be, couldn't be better for two reasons. One is that we have the Fed coming up on the 20th. And the second reason, and this isn't just in terms of our outlook as well, you know, we were one of those institutions that initially felt a recession was going to come on a little sooner than what we've seen. Mm-hmm. And now we have this sort of recalibration of the market, a bit of repricing. Yields are, have been pushed higher. So now we sort of sit at this... Um, whether or not too extreme of a soft landing, but you know we we have this recalibration, and and mm-hmm. so has UBS as a, as a whole, looking at a more balanced approach going forward versus our initial recession would have come a little bit earlier. Similar to many. That's <laughs> right. So I just wanted to, with what's happened this past year, going even through the March financial instability, seeing you know ten year yields reach three and a quarter, three thirty, you know coming back up, the consumer being much stronger. How do you see like the opportunity? What are the fixed income? How do you see fixed income in terms of the opportunity set right now? Well, to start, uh, well, thank you for having us. Me to start, but uh, to, you know, fixed income has yield now, so we can start there. Uh, we uh, a few years ago started at near zero, and now uh, Treasury uh, bonds have yield, particularly on the front end. So uh, most everything is competing with T bills. It's the uh, most uh, interesting trade for many people just to buy three and six month T-bills. But I think across fixed income, there are opportunities. You can talk about valuations, but just the opportunity to generate income across all of fixed income is much better than it used to be. Uh, just one data point, you know, if you look at uh, in, in corporate credit, for example, triple uh, uh, B uh, investment grade credit yields 6%. In 2021, that's what high yield credit excuse me, high yield triple C's used to yield. So we've gone from 6%, you had to go into triple C's. Now triple B, investment grade credit, yields the same. So, I mean, we can talk about valuations and where we are and where we're going, but at least we're starting at a much better entry point than where we were a couple of years ago. We're also in a different regime in terms of what borrowers are doing. So, you know, all fixed income is people borrowing money, whether it's the government or corporations or individuals. And we're in generally a deleveraging mode because rates are high. People are really only – people and companies are really only borrowing money because they need to. So that means generally speaking, whether you're talking about the mortgage market or you're talking about the corporate credit market or uh, the below investment grade, you're talking about high yield, all of these sectors are seeing generally – a lot lower issuance, and the borrowers are generally trying to defend their balance sheets. In the case of, in the case of corporations, in the case of you know retail, people are not uh, borrowing, you know, buying houses as much. They're not. Uh, I mean, they've been spending on credit cards, so they've been there's been consumer spending. But generally, the big parts of the of the fixed income markets are in a period of uh, I'd say deleveraging, which is very positive when you pair that with the high income that you can generate now. So I think it creates a really a incredible opportunity that we didn't have two years ago. It certainly didn't have last year. Right. Absolutely. Um, so when you think about that, and you mentioned something <clears> that <throat> we've been in, look, our, our well side has been mm-hmm. um, 
multiple questions for a very long time, given the fact that the yield curve is inverted. And you mm-hmm. talked about, you know, that you know, money market, T-bills, mm-hmm. you know, why why am I, why would I, you know, book a 10-year right now if I can get a, a yield on a short end that's much greater? You know, we know this is because of the inversion of the yield curve, Correct. right? And we know because how quickly this Fed has moved in a historical fashion, putting the upper bound in Fed funds at a 5.5% right now. So when you think about going forward, okay, and we think about just not just in <clears> September <throat> meeting, let's just say from now to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see that sort of shift in sentiment or yield curve, if there is one? And how do you see the path of the Fed sort of, you know, ensuing the next, you know, um, next couple of months? We know in September we get a, a new summary of economic projections. Regardless of reality of those projections, it's median, mm-hmm. but the market still moves on it. So right. how do you see that from now to the end of the year, what the, path, what the Fed might do and how might that impact short end rates? Well, we're here in September, so the end of the year isn't too long yeah. of a forecast. So I think I can, I think I can uh, hit that, <laughs> hit that, that target. That would be very good, <laughs> given uh, this volatility. Uh, I think you have to start with the fact that inflation isn't licked. Inflation is coming down, but there are many indicators that would suggest that it might start bo- popping back up again. Uh, you know, there's, as we speak, a, a United Auto Worker uh, a potential strike coming. Uh, there are many other sectors that are in strikes. You see. Uh, uh, labor, uh, you know, wages under pre- uh, rising and creating inflationary pressures. Uh, CPI, partly driven by energy, is you know ticking up a little bit. So it, it's I don't think we're at the all clear yet on on inflation. We know that the Fed uh, thought that inflation was transitory. They turned out to be wrong. Uh, I don't think they want to be wrong again and take their foot off the brake too soon. So uh, the Fed, in my estimation, is. You know, if they're going to be wrong, they'll be wrong by leaving, uh, by being, uh, being tight on economic uh, uh, economic conditions for longer. You know, the the tighter for longer idea that they're uh, going to have to keep their foot on the brake, even if if it causes a recession. I think they have to err on that, and so that means uh, maybe whether there's another hike or not. I don't know. I think they're going to be day dependent. We'll see how that goes. But the idea of uh, quick cuts, I, 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 that seems seems unlikely to me. So when you think about that and this whole higher for longer, higher cost of capital mm-hmm. kind of environment, right? We know that the credit markets has done the corporate credit's done much better than, you know, mortgage credit. We know right. that. We know the equity market is definitely surprised on the upside, even if mm-hmm. though it might be isolated to a select few. So how do you see that in terms of the, the credit markets, the corporate credit market going forward with this higher for longer? How might it given the fact they've tightened so much, how might that impact your interest coverage, your you know, the supply that's out there, your access to capital? Overall, because the public market, the, the markets are open right now, right? We see, we've seen this Absolutely. issuance. Mm-hmm. There's no question, right? Everyone thought after the March financial instability, you'd have this pullback. Mm-hmm. Interest, but we know uh, lending standards are tightening. So how do you see that higher for longer path in terms of how it relates to uh, corporate credit going forward in terms of the performance? I mean, one word that I think about is dispersion. There's going to be winners and losers. In, in the previous environment we've lived in for 10 years where uh, we had zero interest rates and liquidity pumped into the financial markets, everyone was a winner. So good companies, questionable companies, firms that shouldn't get capital, everyone, everyone w- w- you know, was able to join the party. In an environment where the Fed is, uh, uh, you know, where, uh, Fed is hawkish, uh, liquidity is being drained out of the markets – that means companies have to stand on their own two feet. And so the high-quality companies that have a reasonable balance sheet, that generate free cash flow, that can service their debt load, the capital markets will be open for them. But then the companies that are struggling, the ones that maybe shouldn't have had uh, financing in the first place, they're going to da- 
They're going to get downgraded in the bull investment grade space. Their defaults will go up. I think that's what we can expect. It's just happening much slower than everyone thought. Uh, going into 2023, there, there seemed to be a sort of a pretty significant consensus that we were going to recession immediately. I did not think that was going to happen. Uh, I uh, have always just, you know, I'm a corporate credit guy, so I'm looking from looking at earnings and earnings. People talk about how resilient they've they've been. They they were more resilient than people thought in 2023. And every quarter, people think now is when the shoe's going to drop. Now we come into, you know, in 2022, people thought the shoe was going to drop. 2023, the shoe hasn't dropped yet. The earnings have been very resilient, and that's why credit spreads have tightened so much, particularly triple Cs. Uh, it's unusual, it would be highly unusual to have such a triple C rally and then immediately go into recession. So I felt pretty comfortable that we wouldn't have a recession this year. I thought that uh, the ideas of the Fed cutting rates this year were pretty aggressive. That assumed uh, such a rapid deterioration, and that hasn't happened. But I always do say that I want to be respectful of the macro data that is quite concerning. We've gone through such a tightening cycle, uh, and we've, we've had a uh, sort of a mini banking crisis with the uh, regional banks. Uh, these cost pressures flow through consumers and it flows through corporations, and there's a lag. And I think it's certainly likely that these pressures will eventually cause bigger problems in maybe next year, 2024, and the year after that. And, you know, people are used to thinking of uh, we're conditioned to the environment we've been in. And over the last 10 years, we've had very rapid deterioration, you know, a, a liquidity event during the financial crisis. Fed came to the rescue and everything recovered quickly. Same thing happened in, during the pandemic. We had uh, a shock that caused a, ma a, a rapid liquidity unwind and then a, a rapid uh, central bank response. Maybe this time it doesn't go that way. Maybe we just have kind of rolling stress and spreads are choppier. The economy is operating at a lower growth rate with elevated inflation and higher rates. So what does that mean? Well, uh, it means you're going to have to be, be, be no, more dynamic because right. the markets are moving so fast. Credit sp spreads where I like credit for all of 2023, I have to admit they're, they're starting to get pretty snug. And uh, we're in an environment now in corporate credit where you're sort of coupon clipping and you own it because you feel pretty good that the recession isn't coming, the much telegraphed recession, or if there's a recession, it's something really mild and shallow and so it doesn't cause that much damage. But even in that environment, you're cer certainly going to have to – you're going to see spread widening. So I think you have to just uh, be realistic that markets are moving very quickly. And now we're, as we get towards the end of the year, I think, I think you have to maybe reposition what you're doing. So when we think about what the market's done in terms mm -hmm. of – and I was always in the camp where the Fed's not going to ease in 23, right? Mm -hmm. I mean I'm, I'm, I'm surprised how the strength of the consumer, but I never really thought we were going to go full recession. I never thought they were going to ease in 2023. But now that the market's recalibrated to this higher for longer, which it has, right? Mm -hmm. You had 2024 easing about two months ago at like 160. Now it's down to 100, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's, it's finally followed that Fed mantra. Right. And during this time, you talk about corporate credit. We've seen you know, compression spreads for a tremendous amount in high yield. And yeah. you know, triple Cs, obviously, you know, they've had some technical um, tailwinds to them in terms of supply. And we've had a lot of money on the sidelines that went into those, those sectors. But given the fact that you know, spreads are a bit tighter, the carry is very good, and we know for a longer-term driver for fixed income, it's not whether or not 10-year goes up or down 50. It's income, income compounding exactly. income that really gets that total return. But where we are today, 
okay, in terms of the outperformance that we've seen in some of this credit. We've got defaults going up a little bit. We know that even after the Fed pauses, defaults have a tendency to rise because there's a lag. Um, would you consider at this stage of the cycle locking in for longer? Would you consider or extending your duration out given where we are or are you still of the ilk that, you know, the equity market's going to keep its path. We're not worried about corrections. The correlation between bond and equity, you know, or the 60-40 may be per- permanently tainted. How do you look at that in terms of the interest rate forecast? Um, I can speak about how we think about it at Double Line. We think of rates as being we're, – we're neutral on rates. So would you extend really depends on where you're starting, right? So if you have no duration, maybe it's okay to add some. Uh, if you're at sort of a neutral position, do you go long? That's longer than neutral. That's not where we are. And I think that recognizes that we're in a, an environment of uncertainty where uh, it's unclear the economic path. It's unclear whether inflation has been uh, – is, is on a path back down to 2 percent and the Fed is finished. And it's unclear whether, you know, Treasury volatility will continue. So I don't think we're here to pound the table to say just, you know, buy duration and it's all going to be good. I think we recognize that there's a lot of uh, remaining uncertainty in the economy. So being neutral seems like a good a, a good position where you're recognizing that uh, Treasury rates have moved a lot, and we're probably not. You know, we went from 50 basis points to a little over four. We're probably not going to eight. So there's a lot less damage probably prospectively in the market than it was when we were in 2021. So that that gets us to neutral. We recognize we moved a long way. But uh, there's still that uncertainty, and so that makes us a little bit more conservative. Cautious. Yeah, absolutely. So when we, when we think about how well, say, corporate credit's done, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about – let's just talk about the, the, the mortgage credit side for just a second. You know, one of these – one of the, I think, surprises to many mm-hmm. when they looked at, well, my, you know, my 30-year mortgage rates is 7%, not recognizing mm-hmm. that, you know, 70% of the consumer owns mortgages of 4% or less, which gave them that excess capital to go – Dinner, go buy flights, things. go to right. Europe, right? Yeah, and that really sort of came to a surprise to the market. So you do have this, you know, corporate credits are is a bit is a bit more snug, in my opinion, to mortgage credit. But let's focus on the one that's caused a bit of um, headline risk since March, and as we come this whole work from home, and and that's commercial, that's CMBS, right? Commercial real estate, commercial mortgage-backed securities. Yeah, um, you know, we've had a neutral on that. Um, we know that there's been tremendous negative headlines in terms of things like office space, which are priced in ever since the March, um, you know, SVB and tightening lending standards and all these kinds of, what's your, what's your sort of take on, on that side of the credit spectrum? Yeah. Our thought on the commercial mortgage market is consistent with basically the way we're thinking about all of credit, which is uh, we don't think you need to figure it out to be a fixed income investor. You go up in quality. So in CMBS in particular, uh, I don't know that we have an outlook that it's all going to survive or there's a turnaround coming. Uh, it, you know, The uncertainty that I talk about from a macro perspective, I think, still exists in the CMBS market. But that doesn't mean you can't invest in the space without, that, without a clear view. You can go up in the capital structure, AAA, no, senior securities, AAA, AA, parts of the capital structure where defaults actually accelerate your repayment so you get cash back faster. That's an interesting place to be. So in we, we've in our portfolios have been buying triple AAA CMBS bonds that yield the same as double B bank loans. So the yield pickup 
we can argue about ratings and the different markets, but you're going from a double B credit that's floating rate to a triple A corporate AAA CMBS uh, bond and to get the same yield, which is roughly like SOFR plus 200, something in that neighborhood. So you're talking over 7% for AAA rated securities. That's incredibly interesting. And we don't have to have an outlook that office space is going to recover or generally the CMBS market broadly is going to recover. If anything, if they don't recover, now we have to get a little technical. So I don't want people hanging up on me, but <laughs> but uh, a, a, you know, it, defaults actually would cause a- amortization of those bonds. You get your cash back faster. Sure. So it's an area that we really like. Uh, if, recognizing that corporate credit markets are tight broadly, um, you know, people don't like to do this, but you have to, if, if in order to generate uh, you know differentiated returns, you have to buy in the areas that maybe people don't all love at the moment. And it's true broadly and securitized. That's not a, a, a it's not a you know a favored uh, asset category right now. So spreads are wider. They trade a little bit more sloppy. There's more vol, and in that is opportunity if you can do the work and understand what you're buying. And I think that's why we find it interesting. So you mentioned something <clears> which is you know it t- ties in well to our allocation right now is that's higher quality, mm-hmm. right? Um, I completely agree on the IG corporate side in terms of spreads and corporate credit might be a, a bit snug. And I happen to think that you know, we're not looking for some sort of you know, major spread widening. But I think the headwind to corporate credit is there is just other higher quality assets that are cheaper, whether it's agency mortgage-backed securities, munis. So we've had this, real yields. Mm-hmm. So we've had this kind – we've had this higher quality kind of bias <laughs> as yeah. well. and. Yeah. Simply just where we are in the cycle and because some of the lower quality credit has done so well. Again, not because we think there's a catalyst, but it's just a question of compensation. Yeah, just valuation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So so you would tend to agree with that kind yes. of higher quality allocation. And do you think that there is a point in time, because we get this, as for our audience and our advisors and our clients, when they go into fixed income, it really is about the carry, mm-hmm. right? Especially at this Absolutely. stage if you're older. Do you feel that the, that the higher quality is still the place to be, or are you, in terms of diversification, like do you, do you add a little lower quality in there, just sort of like your outlook now? I mean, including where we are in the business cycle and your expectation of, you know, you know, hard landing, soft landing, no landing kind of outlook. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can take a pretty simple view. You buy credit when spreads are wide, and you sell them when spreads are tight. I mean, you could think of it from that perspective. So, using that very basic, simplistic framework. Uh, high yield credit broadly. Now I'm talking about high yield corporates, but other securitized down in quality credit has moved a lot. And uh, you know, high yield. If you go back to high yield for a minute, at a spread of 370 or so, sort of suggests you think there's going to be a soft landing. There's not a lot of margin for error, and we could even have a soft landing and still have a surprise shock that causes spreads to move out a lot. So yeah, I agree uh, with the, the with the uh, you know up in quality. So if I were to just pick within corporate credit, investment grade seems a little bit more balanced to me because in an environment where if we actually have recessionary scare, whether it happens or not, there's probably a treasury rally, and that will to some extent offset the spread volatility or the spread you know the spread widening that could happen. Uh, high yield, there's kind of nowhere to hide. It's a shorter duration asset class, and if there's worried about if there's worries about uh, economic an economic slowdown, then spreads have the potential for a lot of widening. So if we just stick to the corporate credit market, and you know, we I think we like IG investment grade credit better than high yield for that reason because it's moved so much. 
Uh, there are places in the securitized market where you can be up in quality and not worry about all these things. Uh, it's not just in CMBS, but CLOs, for example, which securitize bank loans. Uh, those uh, yields are still you know north of seven percent for triple, uh, for triple A's. I'm talking spot. We can talk like sure, you know if you sure. use the forward curve, yeah. And we start a, a bake in hikes, or excuse me, the Fed cuts, and so far is 100 base points lower in a year. Then all, all you know, then the analysis changes a little bit. But for the moment, you're getting a very high amount of yield, and you know people look at that, and I, we've had countless investors say, well, what if the bank loan defaults go up? I hear about the floating rate and the borrowers are under pressure and there's going to be defaults. So how can we invest in CLOs? Well, up up in quality, up the capital structure, AAAs, just like CMBS as I was talking about. If there's defaults, you can actually get your cash flows back faster because they amortize down. So yeah, up in quality and securitized, up in quality in, in corporate credit. I think that's the place to be. The time to buy down in credit is, you know, it's sort of counterintuitive. It's, it's when uh, economic cer- uncertainty is the highest and spreads are the widest, but that's not often how investors behave. They often like to invest in riskier things when the economic outlook is very clear. Right. But uh, you know, when do I like? We, we I like to buy things when they're cheap. So uh, I would think if there's a another kind of shock that that hits the market and spreads widen, and the economic outlook becomes a little bit more murky, that's probably the time maybe to start nibbling again on on some of the uh, lower quality credit. In terms of the investment grade corporate side, what is there a part? Is there a position of the curve that you like? Do you like just the short end? Like we're barbelled right now. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean, we're, and we're barbelled because our expectation was that in the second half of the year we'd start to see the yield curve steepen. Okay, and we still think that's the case, but remaining inverted. Mm-hmm. So we don't, you know, we're not going to discount those that carry you can get in the short end. So is there how do you, is there a place on the curve that you're going in? Are you going? Is it just laddered all along? I mean, how do you how do you sort of yeah. see? The, uh, the risk-reward there or benefit in terms of relative value? Uh, the benefit in the corporate credit curve is really in the middle, 4 to 10. Shorter than 4, the spread really drops. So it's around 70 basis points. The 1 to 3-year corporate is one is 70-something basis points. It's not a whole lot, particularly if you compare it to securitized. Uh, if you go past 10 years, the credit curve is pretty flat. I don't know, some days it's actually inverted. So I don't, again, just a simple way to think about it. If you take, if you go longer duration, you're taking more credit risk. You should get compensated. You should have more, more spread broadly. Now, different composition. We can get into some like nuance, but broadly speaking, uh, that that four to ten years really what you're getting. You know, the pickup and spread that's interesting, and then short and long is less attractive. Right. And as we and as we sort of wrap up here, I do want to get your your sort of final thoughts. In terms of – this has been great in terms of your positioning and what you think. But if you had to leave sort of our listeners with final thoughts, and that includes pockets of vulnerability potential, mm-hmm. um, how, do you, so how do you see like the next year playing out or what do you, how, do you, how are you currently best positioned, you know, diversification to, you know, potentially um, be prepared for, for headwinds that may occur, not just for U.S. central banks, but global central banks, what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would yeah. really just love your final thoughts. Yeah, I think there's the – the theme of, of up in quality, stay safe right now because whether it's equities or credit or other risk assets, it moved a lot. And I think now is maybe a time to wait for something else to happen. Don't don't dive in to risk assets broadly. So I, th- <clears throat> I think uh, staying short, there's so much value on the short end of the curve. Staying up in quality, you're making enough, you know, 6 7% returns. That's pretty good. So why do we need to bother uh, with something fancier at the moment? 
Uh, I think in credit, we're, in a, we're going to be in a multi-year period of dispersion and volatility, and that creates opportunities. Even though the opportunity might not be on the table today, if you have a multi-year look and you can be dynamic and flexible, there's going to be way, ways to make money through, through this economic condition for the next few years. So that, that's the playbook, safe now, and just be dynamic when the opportunities present themselves. Well, listen, Robert, I, I thank you so much. And this has been a really a great conversation and at a timing that as we hit this crossroads, it's, it's, just, it's just a very important one as well. So I do really thank you for your time in terms of you know coming on. And, and I'm sure our, our advisors and, and our clients are going to appreciate your thoughts. So yeah. thanks again. Yeah. Thank and you for thank, having me. Absolutely. Mm. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.